Good morning. Let's have our Bibles ready. The Gospel of John, chapter 1. The Gospel of John, chapter 1. This first chapter in John is essential reading and study for every Christian. I say that because of two significant features of this chapter. One, the statement of the deity of Christ. And two, the account of how that truth was spread. So the word in the context of the opening verses in John 1 is Jesus Christ. And verse 14 says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. John says, We have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I want us to observe immediately in the next verse, in verse 15, from there to the end of the chapter, this truth about who Jesus is, is spreading. Verse 15 begins, John bore witness about him. And the paragraph that begins with verse 19, the Jewish leaders are told, who Jesus is, one higher than John the Baptist. The next three paragraphs begin with expressions very similar in most translations, identical. Verse 29, 35, and 43, the next day, the next day. What is John doing? After he documents who Jesus is, he is documenting the spread of that truth. And we call that evangelism. The truth about who Jesus is, is being spread person to person. The Messiah is here. The word is spreading. Notice how these paragraphs are entitled. If you have these notations in your Bible... Verse 19, the testimony of John. Verse 29, that Jesus is the Lamb of God. Verse 35, two of John's disciples hear this truth. What's happening? From verse 15 to the end of John chapter 1 is evangelism. The truth about who Jesus is, is spreading. And that brings us to this reading in John 1, 35 to 51. The next day, again John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, Where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first 
found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Verse 43. The next day... Jesus decided to go to Galilee, he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also in the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This illustrates... Evangelism. Evangelism with emphasis on telling people you already know what you have found to be of the highest value in life and eternity. That's evangelism. Telling people you already know what you have found to be of the highest value in life and eternity. Andrew tells his brother. The next day Jesus found Philip. Philip followed Jesus. Philip found Nathaniel. The narrative has in it relationships already formed. Friends and relatives. And the truth about the Lamb of God is spoken and shared in those immediate circles of relationship. I want to talk to you about all that. No Christian is opposed to anonymous audience evangelism. Preaching the gospel to people you don't know, have never met. We should do that to the best of our ability with whatever, whatever methods we have. In the 1940s and 50s, tent meetings in various communities. People came. You would introduce yourself and invite them to listen to gospel preaching. Much good was done. Later on, there was radio and television. Preachers delivering the truth of the gospel to people they didn't know. In our time, live streams, videos, social media, where good efforts are applied 
to deliver the truth and to reach people we don't know yet. No Christian is opposed to that. No Christian is opposed to anonymous audience evangelism. But let us never dismiss or neglect talking to people we already know about the gospel. Now, warning, this is convicting this sermon for every one of us, including me. Are there people that you deal with, friends and co-workers and people you encounter in doing business and in your neighborhood, and you've never said anything to them about Christ? Against the strong pattern of John chapter 1, is it the case that we have not shared the most important information we have? With people we know, people we see on a regular basis. Relationship evangelism occurs when we talk to people we know about the Lord we know and His Word. Could it be our emphasis is so directed to anonymous audience venues People we don't know, people close in our circles of life have not heard us talk about the Lord. Can you imagine Philip finding Nathaniel and not saying anything about finding Jesus? Relationship evangelism occurs when we talk to people we already know about the Lord we know. I want to say nothing against anonymous audience evangelism that we read about all through the book of Acts. Shout the message from the housetops. Ring out the message. Use modern technology to plant the seed. But what about our neighbors? Co-workers. Family members. Who are not Christians. Relationship evangelism occurs when we talk to people we already know about the gospel of Christ. I want to make three points about relationship evangelism. This good work exhibits love. There's a brother in Christ in Florida, Mark Copeland, faithful gospel preacher who has done more evangelistic work to the masses than anyone I know. Yet Mark has said, relationship evangelism gets us out of the church building into the lives of those who are lost. Now Mark isn't being critical of assemblies and churches and church buildings or other means and methods like the internet. He uses it more than anybody I know. He's placing emphasis on our lives and our relationships outside the building. There is this interesting phenomenon of people who sit in their homes and write huge checks for evangelistic efforts 
but have never walked across the street to invite a neighbor to a gospel meeting or to a home Bible study. I do not envision God at the judgment day looking to see our canceled checks. He's looking now and he knows if we have invited our neighbors. He knows if we have talked to friends and family members about the best way to live your life. If you know the best way life should be lived and you're not saying anything to anybody about it, something is wrong. So let me take this to another level. What would you do if you looked across the street in your neighborhood and your neighbor's house is on fire and there are people in that house who need to escape death? Do you just comment, oh look, there's a house on fire. They're probably going to die. No, you get up and move and you do anything you're able to do to get them out of the fire. It is often said that rescue is an automatic reaction with people of good character. Rescue is an automatic reaction with people of good character. You don't wait. You don't just observe the tragedy. You don't just capture it with your phone camera. You get up and you run to help. What if you have neighbors across the street who are in even greater danger? Moving, obviously, by the way their lives are being lived toward eternal fire. In the book of Jude, in verses 22 and 23, we are to be people of mercy. And it uses this expression, snatching them out of the fire. Snatching them out of the fire. A house fire here on earth is one thing, the eternal fire is quite another. The good work of evangelism is always an act of love. Number two, this personal touch puts you in partnership, fellowship with the person who is converted, that you spoke to about the Lord who obeyed the gospel. Imagine in the normal course of events with anonymous audience evangelism, Someone hears the gospel on the radio or TV. Someone picks up enough Bible truth from a faithful preacher on the internet. They obey the gospel. They need more than just information and water. When you teach someone and your friend is baptized, you already had a relationship. Now you've got an even closer relationship. Now your friend is your brother and sister in Christ. And you have opportunity to partner with them for their good and your good. You don't have to get to know them. You already knew them. And that becomes an advantage for you and for them. The new convert will come to you with questions and depend upon you for motivation and encouragement. Relationship evangelism doesn't stop at the water. It continues to be a relationship now of nourishment and encouragement and fellowship. It will be good for the new convert and it will be good for you to have formed 
this spiritual bond. Very much like Paul and Timothy. Barnabas at Antioch. Aquila and Priscilla with Apollos. All those passages about serving one another, encouraging one another, find expression personally when your friend is now your spiritual relative. Relationship evangelism exhibits love, can bring you into fellowship with your friend who obeys the gospel. And number three, there is something called exponential growth. I'm sorry, there's going to be a little math here. One of the first books of sermons I read in my high school years was written by a gospel preacher, Harris Dark. Brother Dark was well known for his work as a preacher and writer in Tennessee, but he was also a math teacher. And when he preached on evangelism, he would emphasize the exponential potential like this. You teach one person you know. Let's say you teach them in January and they obey the gospel. That new Christian tells the gospel story to their friend. And those friends tell the gospel story to their friends. And as that chain continues throughout the year and the years to come, seed has been planted and replanted and nurtured. Now if that sounds like a stretch of the imagination or too optimistic, you can go to the book of Acts and you can see that happening. You start with 120 disciples, you go to 3,000, 5,000, then numbers are lost. It's more and more increasing. They grew in numbers, many thousands. This was without radio, TV, or internet. So what was it? There was some audience evangelism, but it was person to person. It was family to family. And the concentric circles of concerned friends who took what they had learned and told others about the message. Think of the potential and pray to God for more laborers in the vineyard that we might seize opportunities to reach the lost and grow. The uh, Institute for American Church Growth asked over 10,000 people this question. What was responsible for your coming to Christ and this church? Well, a few people said, I, I really had a special need. 3% just walked in. 6% like the preacher. 1% said, I just visited there. 5% said, I like the Bible classes. 0.5% said they attended gospel meetings. 3% said they liked the programs. 79%. 79% said 
a friend or relative invited me. That's relationship evangelism. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Here is our challenge today. Is there someone you know personally? You converse with them on a regular basis. You know that you'll see them this week. You'll speak with them. You'll have email or text messages with them because you're friends. You know them. Will you invite them to read and study the Bible with you? Will you invite them to our services? Jesus said, go preach the gospel. The future of this local church, the future of this local church is not up here. It's out there. With you taking the message you hear from the Word of God here and going out there. That's the future of this church. Not up here, out there, going out there. Let's be standing as we sing.